Praise the Lord. Thank you. Yes. Thank you all for who are joining us both here in person and online. To our online audience, we are so glad that you are joining us uh, for this Bible study. We're kicking off here in January, the, the fourth um, Wednesday of every month. We will be covering the topic, Awe of God. There's so much richness and depth, too, as we think about what is the awe of God, right? Um, and we'll be studying holy fear, the holy fear of God, that what it transforms your life. And you're like, how is that possible? Or what does that look like? What, you may be thinking, what does that look like for me? And we'll be talking about this awesome virtue that God really encourages us to have in our lives. Um, we'll be diving deeper into this, like I said, every fourth Wednesday, both my wife and I, uh, Sarah, she's not able to join us tonight. So some uh, nights we'll be doing it together and others uh, will be rotating in and out. But we're really thrilled to be able to uh, just go on this journey with you. I'm going to ask that you challenge yourself. I'm really going to do uh, my role in this is really almost as a facilitator. But the work that will be required will be between you and God and your relationship with him because I believe in this hour God is drawing us closer to him to experience his presence to understand his glory and to have a even deeper more intimate authentic relationship with him Are you ready to go forward amen, amen. So fears, we hear about fears and all types of fears in our lives, right? Um, and there are, what probably comes to mind most quickly is what we might refer to as a destructive fear, right? The Bible tells us over 365 times, right? Fear not, fear not. But we have these fears that pop up in our in our lives in our daily lives that are uh, can be destructive in nature i'll give you a couple of examples fomo uh it's the fear of missing out i don't know if you have personally experienced that uh, uh yourself but i at times you know it's like well what's happening and Wait, who's there? And uh, what am I missing? Or, you know, am I going to get there too late? You know, the fear of if I'm not there, I'm missing something, right? Um, and that fear as a destructive nature really uh, capitalizing on ang causing more anxiety in your life or maybe even pressure or uh, disruptive peace in a particular situation or maybe even a relationship. Sometimes people have fears of losing uh, money and possessions, and at times that that's, can be very real, but what we're talking about here is when there is no um, sort of legitimate reason, right? It's just this, uh, this potential can happen to me. Or fear of heights. Um, I do not like ladders. I, I can tell you that for me, the highest step is three, on any given ladder, uh, but I have had to stretch myself uh, many times and overcome uh, overcome that fear. Water is another one that I um, I've taken swim lessons twice, and I might be the only person you know that has failed the YMCA's swimming classes twice uh, because when I get in the water for whatever reason, 
um, some fear that I'm, that I'm wrestling with. So the Bible tells us, right, not to have or not to give in to these destructive fears. But there's also another kind of fear, and I'll refer to it as constructive. It is constructive because it really can produce something that is beneficial for you, beneficial for in your life. Uh, in fact, even um, producing wisdom at times, right? So fear, rightly aimed, can actually lead us to an intimate relationship with God. Think about that. A fear that's rightly aimed, leading you, drawing you actually closer to God rather than away from God, right? In Proverbs 9 uh, and in verse 10, we see it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom, Wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The beginning of wisdom and knowledge. That's a powerful statement. You don't think about naturally, right? Because our mind tends to go straight to what we're defining as uh, destructive fears. So how can a destructive fear bring wisdom and knowledge? But this is different, right? It is a, in a different context where it is unlocking, right? unpacking something marvelous and wonderful about God's nature and drawing you into understanding him even in a deeper in a deeper way. Charles Spurgeon says this, the fear of God is the death of every other fear. Like a mighty lion, it chases all other fears before it. Picture that imagery, right? The fear of God chasing away all other fears in your life, which brings peace, which brings stability, which brings comfort. You're coming under the presence of the Almighty, under the, the shadow of the Almighty, right? We find this, this, this peace and this uh, protection. So holy fear, killing, being the death of every other fear. It's almost to say there should be only one fear, right, in your life. And what is that? Fear of God. The thought of the awe of God, the awesomeness of God, right? In his presence, in his majesty, reflecting on who he is and realizing his nature and his character that puts us, that stops us in our tracks, and it also causes us to think about, right, not only how do we enter into his presence, but it causes us to think about our actions. As we, as we look at this, we will uh, answer the question, does the fear of God help us choose actions that will cause us not to sin, right? We'll look into uh, that deeper. So we're thinking about fear as this virtue, fear as a virtue in our lives. And we are all, we're human beings, right? So we all have or, or have experienced some form of fear 
at some point in our lives, um, right? Uh, even as a ch- even children at their young age, uh, separation from their parents, right? There, there is something that says, "I want to be closer to my parents. I, I need to see them, right? I need to be able to to go up to them to them quickly." Um, in the awe and the fear of God is is a deeper and more intimate than any person can imagine. But we want to unpack that as we uh, go through uh, the rest of this year. And think about it this way, that this virtue of fear, this holy fear, the fear of God, it swallows up all destructive fears, right? Swallowing it up. For the fear of God is the beginning of everything good. We're talking about the fear of God, the holy fear of God that actually is beneficial in your life. Something that uh, you want to uh, aspire to cultivate in your relationship with God. And you want to seek to understand God more. And as you, as you lean into learning more about what this is and seeking God throughout this, You'll, you'll begin to experience some of the actual the benefits uh, in the beginning and see how everything is good as you apply it in your own life. Throughout the, the, the rest of this year, I will be challenging you to apply this in your life and think about what does it mean? How do you practice it? And we'll look at a couple of different um, sort of themes throughout the, the uh, coming months, uh, including tonight. And as we, we look at those, there will be times for you to self-reflect. What does that mean for me? Or how might God want to see me cultivating that in my own heart? Or perhaps you may be asking and wondering, or may need to ask yourself, what is it that I need to change or stop that's, in, uh, that's causing conflict right, in my relationship with God? or in cultivating holy, the holy fear, the awe of God. So we're looking at it as this is a treasure of God, right? A treasure virtue. But let's start off by talking about um, Solomon. We're looking at, we're going to look at the life of Solomon. And, you know, Solomon was strong and he was known for having very, this very keen insight People came to him with problems and situations in which they didn't know what to do, and he would provide guidance. He would provide insight and, and help them make decisions. He was he served also as the judge of, of difficult um, uh, difficult court situations or cases, right? And God gave him this insight, and he we see in his life he was a leader of, all, of millions of people. And during his, the, the prime of his time, he, he wrote thousands of sayings and composed tons of songs that we, we have as references in the Word of God. His wisdom was so well known in his leadership. It talks about the people. His people were prosperous. And uh, it was known throughout the world, uh, his greatness and but he, he reached a point in his life um, that he made some, there were some drastic changes. 
But as we, we some of the references that talk about uh, or that we can see Solomon's wisdom, we see here in First Kings uh, chapter four and verse thirty-three. It, it says he described trees from the cedars in Lebanon to the high sip hyssop growings out uh, of the walls. He he also taught about animals. He taught about birds and reptiles and fish. People came from everywhere, sent from every king on earth who had heard of his wisdom just to sit under him and to listen, right? They're seeking out the wisdom that he had. Also, it talks about in, in Kings, 1 Kings, the 10th chapter and verse 7, it says, uh, this is where... Um, the queen comes and she she talks, she shares, I didn't believe the reports until I came and saw with her own eyes. Indeed, I was not even told half of your wisdom and your prosperity far exceeds the report that I heard. How happy are your men. How happy are these servants of yours who always stand in your presence hearing your wisdom, hearing your wisdom. But there was a turning point in Solomon's life where things became very dark. They became very grim. In fact, his, his, uh, uh, he became almost uh, critical, overcritical at times, right? And you hear that in some, and you see that in some of the, the book of Ecclesiastes. So something happened. He lost some virtue or turned away from some virtue and then began to really turn away from God at, at the same time. And in, in his darkest hours, he wrote some, some things that make you just stop in your, in your tracks and you're like, what happened? What happened in this guy's life? But in the end, at the end of his life, there is a moment of redemption. And we see that in Ecclesiastes in the 12th chapter, in the 13th verse. And I'm using the amplified uh, version here. And it says, all has been heard. The end of the matter is this. Fear God. Revere and worship him, knowing that he is. Knowing that he is. And keep his commandments for this is the whole of man, the full original purpose of his creation. You see, the object of God's providence, the root of character, the foundation of all happiness, the adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun and the whole duty for every man. Fear God. Revere and worship Him. So we see this turning point in His life that there is this prize virtue, and the prize virtue is what? The fear of the Lord in our lives. And it showed. So we're going to unpack why is this important? And how does it play a role in my life? in our relationships with God. In Psalms 25 and 12, it says, Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them what? The path 
they should choose. If you're looking, if you have a major decision in your life, maybe even right now, clarity on work, clarity on finances, I implore you to seek God, to come into the presence of God, believing that He is and that He is a rewarder of what? Those who diligently seek Him. And when you seek Him, when you seek Him humbly, right? Coming into His presence with confidence and with praise, with the fear of the Lord, we have the promise that God will show you the path. God will speak to your heart through the Holy Spirit and, and direct your path in the way to choose. Isaiah also says this in the 11th chapter in the third verse. We find this in the New King James Version. His delight is what? In the fear of the Lord. God's delight is when we come into the fear of the Lord and approach him with this awe of a holy God, of a mighty God, of a faithful God, of a just God, our counselor, our peacemaker, our waymaker. He delights in this. He delights in our hearts being leaning towards him, right? Seeking him out with holy fear and reverence. So that what? We may get to know him more. So that we can understand his ways. So that we can hear, right? The desires he has for our lives. The, way, the path that he, he wants us to go. There is no reason we need to walk in confusion when we can humbly sit back and seek God and believe that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Isaiah describes it this way in the 33rd chapter in the 6th verse. The fear of the Lord, what is his treasure? That says to me, this is pretty important to God, right? This is up there on his list of things of importance to him. The fear of the Lord is his treasure. It also means something of discovery, right? When you think about a treasure, something that is a prized possession. Not iPhones, right? A true treasure. Uh, not not the, the material things in our life, right? We're talking about a virtue that we cultivate in our life where God holds it to such high esteem that he calls it his treasure. It is something that he desires us to have and to walk out in our daily life in our relationship with him. So I ask you, before we go further, just take a moment and think about this. So what does it look like practically to treasure holy fear for you? How should you approach it? How might you approach it?
Contrasting fears, right? And the people um, sometimes get mixed up the spirit of fear versus the fear of the Lord. And so let's help dive into that, right, a little bit. In Hebrews, the 12th chapter and the 28th verse, looking at the New Living Translation, it says, Since we are receiving a kingdom that is what? Unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by what? Worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. Holy fear and awe. You see, holy fear is a New Testament truth, or we can find it talked about multiple times in the New Testament. It comes from the word, uh, uh, the Greek word, elebionia, something like that, which means to be uh, circumspect, to be apprehensive, to, to have reverence, to be moved with fear, it's as almost to be thoughtful, right? You, you don't just jump into something or jump into uh, a conversation. You, you think about, right? You consider the God in his holiness and his reverence as you approach him, right? Because of who he is. Because he's all-powerful, because he's, he's all-knowing, because he's omnipotent, because his presence is everywhere. See, Paul says this in Philippians 2 and 12, Work out your own salvation with what? Fear and trembling. That means it has an important role in our walk with God. He also says in 2 Corinthians uh, 7 and 1, Behold, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. What? Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So there is a separation. The spirit of fear, right, is the destructive fear. The destructive fears, right? that causes anxiety, that causes chaos, that, uh, um, um, that sort of pulls us away, right? Even from uh, important relationships and often draw, draw, draws us away from God. But perfecting holiness in the fear of God does the exact opposite. And Paul is saying it is important in our lives as we run away from sin, as we turn from sin, as we choose to repent, right? And walk in, choose godliness, choose holiness. A key component of that is perfecting the holiness of fear, the fear of God. And in Hebrews in 12 and 28, it tells us, let us have grace by this we may serve God acceptably with what? Reverence and godly fear. There's two components here. There is reverence and godly fear. Right? Psalms 34 and 9 in the New Living Translation says, the fear, fear the Lord, you his godly people, for those who fear him will what? Will have all they need will have all they need. 
shows and it tells us that this is important, right? An important aspect of how we see God, of how we approach God in prayer, of how we walk with God daily in our lives. But it also speaks to the benefits, right? The positive benefits of having the fear of God in our life. Hebrews 11 and 7, we see this picture of of Noah and his faith, and it says, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated, he was motivated by godly fear. He built an ark to deliver his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. But he, un- he listened and he heard what God was speaking to him. And it was important to him, right? And so it motivated him to be obedient to what God had asked of him. So what holy, what holy fear is not? See, holy fear enhances our interactions with God. We, we see that in Psalms 28. I love this. It says, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, what? Lord, I am coming. Lord, I am coming. See, God wants to be close to you. He wants to be close to all of us. He wants to be close to his bride. He wants to be close to the, to the church. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. Why? Because it causes us to act and to respond differently than those who don't. And we can see that even more in our lives unfolding before our eyes, even in this present day. Holy fear is not being scared about God. That's not what this is about. It's not what it's about. Because God wants to be close to us. He wants to draw us in. So our approach is different, right? Holy fear has a way of drawing us closer to God. Whereas the lack of holy fear allows us to run away from God, to hide from God, right? Don't be afraid. God has come to test you and instill a deep and reverent awe within you so that you won't sin. This is when uh, Moses, right, He's had a face-to-face with God, and now he wants the Israelites to to come face-to-face with God. And then they get scared. They get shaken to their core. And he's saying, don't be afraid. As in, don't have this destructive fear that causes you to run and to hide from God, but rather allow God to what instill in you this deep and reverent awe. 
this deep and reverent awe of who he is. And when we do that, when we welcome that in our lives, it draws us closer to God and further away from sin. Right? This was something to, in fact, protect the Israelites. And Moses is found in this moment trying to help them understand. But in this moment of flesh in, in, in their lives, they were like, no, you Moses, you go talk to him and you let us know what he says. Right? And what happens later? We see that they quickly fall to building false gods and worshiping false gods because they rejected this moment when God is introducing himself in a deeper way and inviting them, right, to have deep and reverent awe of who he is in their lives. Think about this. Holy fear is not to be scared of God and to run from him. It is to be terrified of being awake. It is having a posture of your heart that says, I can't be without my God. I can't be in a situation where my God's presence is not, I cannot find him. I cannot hear his voice. It is a moment of saying, that's not what I want. I want to be in the presence of God. I want to draw closer to him each and every day. So what is this holy fear? Hebrews 12 and 28 and 29, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace, what? By which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. We see it again. Reverence and godly fear. It comes together. They work together. Why? Because our God is a consuming fire. When we look at the word reverence, the Greek word is adios or uh, similar to that, and it defines reverence of having this profound adoring, this odd respect. God, I worship you for who you are. Holy is your name, right? And when we look at godly fear, the Greek word, uh, which I may is here, I may butcher it a little bit. Um, Ulabia, something along that word, that lines, but it's defined as dread, but a dread inspired by something that's what? Great and terrific. To strike with fear and reverence, to influence by fear, terror, or respect. It's one that stops you in your tracks and you pause to take it in and you're like, 
Or perhaps it is falling to your knees, right, when you realize that you are in the presence of a holy God. But you're inspired by something that's great and terrific. Not something that is horrendous that would cause you to run away, right? It causes you to stop. It draws curiosity. When Moses saw uh, uh, the burning bush, he was curious. What is this? How can this bush be consuming, right? In this moment, to have something that you know, you realize how what fragile you are and that you are in the presence of an awesome God or you're desiring the presence of an awesome God. You're seeking the manifest presence of a holy, living, and true God. Amen? Amen. What is this holy fear? To fear God is to hollow, it is to greatly respect him. Right? Hallowed our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, that's how he started. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That means I pause and give you praise and worship you and I, I think about how awesome you are even before I go a step further, right? Hallowed be thy name. To fear God is to esteem, to honor, to adore him above anyone or anything else. It means that he is a priority in your life. It means he is important and you want to spend time with him. To fear God is to hate injustice, right? There is something, right? The Spirit of God in us, when it sees injustice, it causes a, an unction, right? Because you see it, and you know that God hates it, right? And you're like, what is this? The holy fear of God, right? Reacting as you witness or hear about something that is an unjust. To, to fear God is also to obey him, right? We saw that in, in the previous verse where we talked about Noah and Noah's faith, right? Noah was known for his faith, but he also, he reverenced God and he obeyed. He spent multiple years building something, but in the natural eye, there was no rain. There was no storm. But he cultivated the, this treasure, this, this uh, virtue, right, in his life to fear God. And he said, regardless of what I see in the natural eye, I choose to what? Obey God. I choose to follow God. To fear God is to respect and to honor and to submit to his authority. We, we're living in a time in this world where many people are fighting against all forms of authority, right? And the Bible tells us that there will be an increase in lawlessness. 
But as we cultivate our uh, heart uh, to fear God and to respect him, it also means we surrender, right? We surrender to his authority. To fear God is to, to give him praise and adoration, thanksgiving, to worship him, right? Because he deserves it. And to fear God is, is to depart from what evil in every sense. That's, that's what we think about in any given moment. It's, it's what we say, right? It's, it's the actions that we do. Even when no one is around, right? Thinking about that. Departing from evil in every sense. And there are benefits to cultivating this, this virtue, this treasure as God sees it of holy fear. It is, it is the starting place of what? An intimate relationship with God. It's a prerequisite, right? For an intimate relationship with God. It is the beginning of wisdom and understanding and knowledge. It means you're listening to God. It means you, you want to hear what he has to say. It means you treasure the words, this spoken word, it, it, his written word, the Bible, right? To unpack the wisdom that he has for you. To unpack the understanding and the knowledge. Paul's prayer was what? God give them the spirit of Wisdom and revelation that they may know you. That we may know him. And it's how we conform, conform, conform to the very image of Christ. God's tangible presence. What does that look like? You see, holy fear has what we can describe as two major categories. One is to tremble at the, the presence of God, and another is to tremble at his word. See, Psalms 89 and 7, in the New King James Version, puts it this way. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be held, what? In reverence by all those around him. To be held in reverence. God's presence. His omnipresence. You know, David tells us that he can't go anywhere. anywhere without, from the presence of God. He, tell, he shows us in, in the uh, Psalms 139. If I go here, what? God, you're there. If I, if I run over here, God. You're there. Even if I hide in darkness, I cannot hide from God. The enemy would want you to believe that you can hide from God. The word of God says otherwise. That he knows where we are. Because he loves us. Because he cares about us. Because he wants to be in fellowship with us. 
You know, Jesus says this about the manifest presence. It, it, he's talking and, and he shares this. He says, I love him and manifest myself to him. And we find that uh, in John 14. And the word manifest in, in Greek uh, is the Greek word for emphanazio. Um, and it means to, to make apparent, to let oneself be intimately known and understood. Think about that. God wants himself to be intimately known and understood by you, by me, by us collectively, by his bride, by the church. In Matthew 18 and 20, it says, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there. What? In the midst of them. He wants us, right, to behold his presence. He wants to reveal himself so that we know that he is here living in us and manifesting his presence all around that we may experience him, that we may experience his love, that we may experience his community, right? His desire is to be among us. So think about this. We will only find God's manifest presence in an atmosphere where what? He is held with the highest respect. I remember growing up in, in church, and if church had started, you did not enter making any noise. Or at the times when uh, the pastor was preaching, no one was supposed to move, right? It had to be an absolute emergency, right? And that was one form of, of, of trying to uh, uh, walk out highest respect, but... It is, is, it is really thinking about how when we come into community, right, to worship God, to, to, to lift him up, to praise him, how are we thinking about how we enter right, into his presence? Are we entering with the highest respect? Right? Or are we coming in casually, not thinking about it, not thinking about God, but just showing up, right? There is a difference, and God sees it. And God sees our hearts and our motivations. So I ask you to think about for yourself. What does it mean? What does it mean to tremble, for you to tremble at God's presence? Ah. To behold him. Joy Dawson says this. When we see him face to face in all his awesome holiness and blazing glory, it will seem what incredible to us that we ever had a casual thought in relationship to him. Right? When we think about him, in all his awesomeness, his holiness, and his blazing glory. 
God, forgive us for the moments when we've approached your presence too casually. Psalms 145 says this in verse 3, No one can measure his greatness. Think about that. No one can measure his greatness or fully describe it, right? See, beholding him, we'll look at Isaiah's experience, for instance. Isaiah um, was overwhelmed by God's presence and his glory, and, and he tells us a, a, a little bit about his experience. And this uh, happened in the year uh, Judah's king Uzziah died, and it was approximately 742 B.C. And we find this uh, in Isaiah. It says, In the year that king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, what, seating on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And the posts, right, of the door were shaken. Get this, were shaken by the very voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So Isaiah said in this moment, Woe is me, for I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For what my eyes have seen, the King, the Lord of hosts. The Lord of hosts. What would happen if you took just ten minutes, three times a day, and focused on God's greatness. Could you imagine what that would unpack for your relationship with God? Worship songs that talk about holy is the Lord. Psalms, reading psalms that talk about how awesome and how majestic he is. Or maybe just sitting quietly in his presence and talking to God. Holy are you, God. There is no one like you, God. Awesome is your name. Lord, I love you. You imagine, think about, maybe even challenge yourself to take some time later tonight, tomorrow, sometime this week, and just focus on God's greatness. The awe of God. A treasure that is important to God. A virtue that God wants 
and desires us to have in our lives so that we may know him more, so that we may walk closer with him, so that we may have a stronger, more intimate relationship with him. The benefits are many, right? Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, guidance from an almighty God. It beckons, it calls us to draw near to him, to cast away all destructive fears and run towards holy reverence, holy fear, where we behold his presence. Let's close in prayer. Almighty God, you alone are holy. You are a living God, a just God, merciful and compassionate. God, we hunger and we thirst to know you more. We seek your presence. We seek your heart for our lives, for our families. God, teach us about you. Holy Spirit, speak to us. Holy Spirit, wash away the scales from our eyes that we may behold the beauty and the awesomeness and the holiness of God Almighty. We surrender to you, God. We surrender to you, God. We choose you. We choose life. We choose to grow and go deeper and deeper in love with you. Teach us your ways. Speak to us, God, and help us in our weakness, in our doubts, and in our fears. Transform our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Jesus. Amen.